Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. say season I refuse to say season much like I refuse to say sneakers or elevator just saying anyway the last in the current series of Roll the Roost podcast I'm your host Trunk I'm joined by my two faithful sidekicks Raj Baines and Sebastian Stafford-Bloor how are you doing lads? Not too bad mate yourself? Yeah very good thank you very good what have you been up to mate you had, you, you had a big big day yesterday didn't you mate you're feeling a bit delicate um, was it yesterday or the oh, day, no, day before? before sorry. Yeah, yeah day, day before, yeah. We went to the cricket and it was rained off, so we just spent the entire day in um, a series of bars around the ground. But, um, one of our mates is um, bar manager of one of them that's there. They're all by the, owned by the same company, so when you go in and you essentially know the staff and everything, it's it's you're, you're on a hiding to nothing. You're not going home in a fit state. So we were going to record this yesterday, but I wanted to just sort of veg around the house and not do very much, which was... Achieved quite easily. Are you finding things at the moment, Seven? You're right, mate. I'm doing good, mate. I'm back in my house. Um, I know, you know, listeners will be keen to to hear that you know, the, the struggle that's that's back in front of the the monster TV, the mate. fifty inch TV. Yeah, you know, it's, it, 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 if I'm honest, it hurts my eyes quite a lot, but it's still worth it. You know, it hurts my eyes in a sort of satisfying way. It's good, just by its size. Are you, are you sat curled up in a ball like a five-year-old, like right in front of it? Is that why it's hurting your eyes? No, I'm. I am. My sofa just is the sheer. Even, even, even with the TV against one wall, the sofa against the other, it kind of provokes a, you know, almost a, 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 a kind of. A, yeah, I get a headache after about half an hour watching it. But the thing is, is I've, I've got too much pride to admit that. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that you know, my eye muscles adapt and. Uh, have you been to optician? No, no. That that's kind of that again. That that's kind of part of the loss of pride, admit defeat, kind of thing. Yeah, you should probably go. You're probably in need of a pair of glasses. That'll probably sort you out. I've been wearing glasses since I was um, about three, I think, is when I got my first pair, and I've never got rid of them. I quite enjoy wearing glasses. You should join the club. It might make me look more studious. I've always thought that you look quite studious with your glasses on and quite kind of rapish without them. So. Then maybe that is a re- quite what? Say. Sorry, quite rafish without them. <laughs> I was going to say my, my <laughs> I don't I, I didn't understand what you said then. I thought you were casting aspersions. <laughs> <laughs> I do like your view. They are they are strong glasses, Rog. They are. They're just black and square. I think they're the only ones. I used to have like half framed ones when I was younger, and they just they were horrible. I only really 
when I were about 16 or 17, actually started buying nice glasses. I think my first pair might have been like an Adidas pair of glasses or something when I was really young. But they were proper NHS-style, really thin and wiry things. Um, so it's always been a case of that. I've always I've always worn uh, contact lenses on and off as well because I had to start wearing them um, for rugby because it got to a point where I couldn't see the ball coming. Um, no, it was just not a good idea being able to um, run blindly. Um, so I got that sorted out pretty sharpish. Mm. I'm supposed to wear glasses. I'm long-sighted though, not short-sighted, but I just can't be asked. So I just deal with the headaches and stuff, I guess. So you what? You can't see things that are close to your face. Well, no, I can. I can see. It's only a very mild form of long sightedness. It's more just that I get headaches and stuff. Um, but it's not. It's not particularly blurry or anything like that. Um, it's yeah, just gives me headaches, as I've said several times. So, um, as much as I'm sure everyone's enjoying this. Uh, chat about our eyeballs. I'm actually enjoyed this. It's usually you two that are talking about your body's failing on you, so getting to join in for once is quite a nice, uh, well, nice you, little perk for me. Now, Baines, as well. So, yeah. you know, yeah, twenty twenty three in September. Oh, blimey, mate! Right, you're uh, ancient. ancient. You get the Zimmer frame out now. Well, that's it, mate. People are people are getting numbers on Vine at the age of like thirteen, fourteen nowadays, mate, and that's. That's what matters. So <laughs> you're a, you're positively a fossil um, or negatively. Is this a, is this a is this a constructive segue into your enormously successful video? Uh, no, but thank you for that. Yeah. Just I'll did take, it for you then. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah it's a masterpiece. Retweeted by thank Gary you. Lineker, amongst know, others. That was pretty nice, wasn't yeah. it? I, ha- I have to thank Lorini. I don't think he listens, but a chap called Lorino. He's he, he's cut Gary Lineker's hair for about twenty years. I have a sneaking suspicion he put it in front of him. So, it's, uh, yeah, good, uh, good shout out to him. He used to live in my area. So, not Gary Lineker, Mourinho, that is. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, I don't really know what we should talk about because the season's over. We beat Everton. We finished above Liverpool, which is very nice. I'm very happy for us finishing fifth. I'll tell you what, let's let's start there. How, how are you feeling about finishing fifth, Europa League? You, you guys are both happy with that? Yeah. There you go. Man, a few words. Yeah, I, Seb, you happy with Europa League? Yeah, it's fine. I think also, you know, there's this, there's kind of this um this movement against the Europa League, and and they're kind of the, the narrative around it is that you know English teams English teams don't really try in it. Whereas if you think about um, the strength of the sides that we put out, and that Liverpool put out, and that Everton put out at the point of elimination, they're all pretty much first choice elevens. Um, and I, you know, I'm aware of all of the kind of the, um, I'm aware of, of, of the dangers and, and the, the problems with playing Thursday, Sunday. Um, and I'm also aware of our record when doing that, but you know, it's just another knockout competition to be involved in at the turn of the year. And I, for a side like us who generally we're not in contention for very much by about, um, February, March or April, it's nice to have a, another kind of point of point of focus. I mean, it, it, it's a problem if you know we're really going for a, for a top four place, or but you know that hasn't been uh, that realistic lately. Um, so I've got no problem with it. It's just, it's, 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 sorry, it's, it's quite funny that people think it's the Europa League that's stopping us from breaking the top four as well. You know, yeah, it's the shitness, isn't it? I mean, it's not the Europa League. <laughs> it's um, yeah. So it's it's the kind of like having probably like 
a third of the spending power, if if even that, of the teams above us. You know, it's... yeah, that's, and I think that's the nail on the head, mate. Because I um, if you look at that table and you look at the, the four teams who placed above us, every single one of them last summer spent at least thirty million pounds on one player or more. And you just, if you're unhappy with where Tottenham are, you, you gotta. I don't want to say go and find another team, but you, you've got to be a bit more realistic about what we are as a club, what we're capable of doing, and, and what the sort of where where the um, the bar of expectation is is set. Because if you're if you're if you're ex- actively expecting a top four finish every season, then you, this is going to be a kind of um, it's going to be a loveless journey with Tottenham for you, but. It's just, it's fine. Fifth place, cup final, couple of wins over local rivals. It's been good. I've enjoyed it. We're, we're, we're not the best team, but I, I, I find that strangely lovable, actually. Of course, the emergence of some of these young, young lads and so on mm-hmm. and so forth is, it's a joy to behold. Um, we, we, we had a tweet. Um, he's, 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 he's a long-time listener of the podcast. Chap called Mr. David Fowser at Journeyman Histo. And as Raj rightly said to him, he has answered his own question, to which he's put back to us, please just validate my feelings on the podcast. So I will, David, and I'll read out your series of tweets that you sent to us, because it's on this point. Um, he said to us, is it fair to have much higher expectations, brackets, not ambitions, but genuine expectations, for us to do much better next year than this? assuming finishing fifth. The underlying economics of the league have not changed. We will not be able to make big purchases. We've been at the glass ceiling, and it's tough to see that changing anytime soon. With luck, we'll touch the top four in the next five to ten years, but it seems ludicrous to declare that any season after this, outside of the top four, is a failure. It's simply not how the Premier League works anymore. Again, like like you said to him, Raj, at the time, he's answered his own question, but I think that's that's all sound, what he's saying, really. Yeah, um, I've, I've said as much in a much longer form, and when I wrote a, a season review about what we've achieved this year, I think we've overachieved. Very good piece, that, don't I? Mean. Very good piece. Um, and um, I, I just, um, I, as much as I like the Europa League, going back to what you said before, and obviously the positives from... Uh, my point of view outweigh the negatives. I do think um, it is true that if you were to forego that commitment for a season, you do give yourself a better opportunity of challenging for the top four. The caveat to that is that that's not a, a sustainable challenge for the top four. That is something that one year in four, perhaps you may just, everything falls into place and it clicks because as Seb said, if the, if the sides that are spending that much money than us, if they the, the sides with the, Top four wage budgets and uh, on the such all play to their potential and and essentially do par for the course for for what is expected of them. They will finish in the top four no matter how well we play because there is a a, a glass ceiling on how far you can go on a budget which is smaller than theirs, um, which is really the the sobering truth of what Premier League football has become. Um, but if you were to like the the example is Liverpool um, the season before last where they managed to finish the second uh, because they didn't have any European commitments whatsoever. Um, it gives you that opportunity to um, 
to you know train for games a little bit more, have that extra bit of resting time. If you get knocked out of the domestic cups quite early on as well, you have even more time to train and, and less um, commitments to have. But if you also consider that we're, we're supposed to be competing against teams like Chelsea for the top four, right? This is Chelsea who just made a squad addition of a player like Juan Cuadrado for £23 million, which to us would be a major marquee signing. You know, mm. it's just... it's. You need to look at things like that to, to, to really put it into perspective for yourself. Like we said previously before with teams like City, players like Jesus Navas, so on and so forth, that just kind of get chalked off as like, oh, well, they tried to sign Navas because he was promising, but it didn't work out, so whatever, they'll flog him. But to us, you know, we, we, we tried the same with Soldado and we're just roundly kind of laughed at for it. It's it's just, it's a, it's a different, it's a completely different ball game. Um... Oh, that was an awful, awful cliche. It's a completely different ball game. Um, you're not good. Apparently, Stoke have signed Pelle Palanca, Seb. Mm, yeah, well, I, 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 the thing is, I, I kind of, it's time of year I switch off from all the reporting because I just don't know what to believe. But it seems as if we've passed on the option to to sign him, which is a little tedious. I watched him play against Sevilla the other night in the, um, in the Europa League final. He was excellent. Um, and he'll go to Stoke. He'll do very well. Then he'll be worth a lot of money. And then Stoke will sell him for a huge profit. And we'll look silly again. That's my, that's my uplifting outlook on, on that. They're, uh, they're getting quite punchy, aren't they, nowadays, Stoke, actually? I think um, Stoke are a good team. I, um, signing. I... I He's a really good well, sign for them. They're a comfortable Premier League side now, aren't they? Yeah, well, I think they're, 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 they should be a comfortable top half side. I mean, they kind of, if they add kind of Bianca on, on the left and they, they stay with... Because um, they, they've also got... Um, they'll have uh, Bojan coming back. They've got Arnautovic. He's a really good player um, in that kind of front section. They're a good team. Um, and it's, it's a shame. I don't, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't pretend to know an awful lot about... Um, uh, Blanca's agent, or you know, his financial demands, or even his character. So maybe there was something prohibitive that, that turned us off. Him, I'm not sure, but it just seems a bit of a waste. I mean, Rogers already said he th- he's he's felt like we've overachieved. I I also too feel that we've overachieved this season. Um, I mean, I'm, I, from conversations we've had in the past seven, I'm like you're pretty content with the with the year we've had. Um, but I mean, is do we think this is kind of down to our own success or is it just as much other teams around us not playing as well as they could, perhaps? I mean, Southampton kind of tailed off a bit. Liverpool have been very, very stop-start. Um, is, are there a lot of positives to Pochettino, do we think? Um, I don't know about a lot of positives. I think there are some. I, I don't think there are really any negatives. I, um, I think... It's a valid point to talk about the teams around us who tailed off, and, and also, you know, Everton were nothing this year as well, which which was a bit of a shock. Um, and I expect them to, to turn up a little bit more next next season. But they were I dreadful, weren't they? They really were. The first half of their season, though, was a complete write off. They were appalling, given the, the talent that they have up there. But I um no, I I don't um I I, I tell you what, this is a way to judge it. I find myself now that the season's over. I don't. Um, at the end of last year, I wanted a, a detox from everything to do with Tottenham because 
it was just so sour and there was just so much negativity. And now, whilst I, you know, I'm kind of grateful from the uh, the break from all the kind of the the, the social media vitriol uh, for a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm eager to see what we do next in a in a sort of progressive way. And and I think that's, you know, that's symptomatic of us having had a very promising year, um, and for there being genuine reasons to believe that the that we're in a sort of a, a mini growth phase, hopefully. Um, and God, that's a terrible phrase, growth phase. That was awful. That's kind of something Brendan Rogers might say. That was a bit um, Brendan Rogers, yeah. <laughs> it, it was a Brendanism. It was terrible. So full Brendan. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, I, I just that's I, a moral I, compass feeling. I, I, I just don't. Um, that's my moral compass. <laughs> oh dear. Um, I don't. I, was I, it I tell a you man what. With an impeccable moral compass. With an impeccable moral compass. I, I, you know, more than anything else, I don't get the negativity. I think that's the best way of answering your question because I see so much of it and I see, you know, it's not just the silly members of our kind of Twitter community who do this. It's, it's people who, who actually, for all intents and purposes, have functioning minds who still, you know, really dig at Pochettino and really, you know, rage out against things that have happened this year and they they look beyond they, they sort of willfully ignore you know uh, Chelsea and Arsenal and the cup final and you know that series that wonderful period of time before Christmas when we were just winning games um habitually in the last minute improbably which was just so much fun and I, I don't know I just I feel that some people have kind of missed the point of this year and and it, it, a part of our fan base if the top four isn't achieved they just switch off and they kind of the, the line between fourth and fifth is the sort of what to them determines absolute success or absolute failure, and it it, it bores me a little bit. Here's a here's a, an interesting question. We'll sort of we'll phase these questions in here and there where they become relevant. We've had one from uh, Catherine McEwen at Curly Cath who asks, uh, "Who do we think Pochettino is going to Danny Rose next?" I'm assuming kind of make <laughs> a lot better than they were initially. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it is an interesting question, that one. It's hard to say. You'd like to think it could be someone like Tom Carroll or Alex Pritchard, but they're such an anomaly, right? You can't you can't really tell whether or not they're going to be coming into the side and, you know, pulling up any trees. I mean, the, I think it, uh, Windy was saying in his monster youth update, if you uh, haven't listened to it, on the Fighting Cox finale, which is very, very good, Um he was saying he, he thinks Tom Carroll needs to have a, an absolutely storming pre-season to not be sold, essentially. But you can, you can quite easily see Tom Carroll going for like five, six million, can't you? Which is probably a good bit of business, really. I think he's had a fairly decent season at Swansea. Um, and I don't really know if we've got any need for him in our side, do we? I'm not, I, I realise we're not answering Catherine's question at all. I'm, I'm I'd rather have him about him. than keep Kapu or someone who clearly isn't in the manager's plan. Yeah, watch out. But uh, uh, just in that, if we did get offered a decent amount of money, you could probably see him going, though. Probably, yeah. Um, that <clears throat> that area of midfield, that first band, is our most congested in our squad. Mm. It's going to be the most interesting uh, to see what happens there because there's quite a few that could go, and replacing them will be quite interesting as well because these are. I think it's just his his agent being a bit of a knob end, but uh, Bentaleb um, has got a few quotes out and whatnot, 
Um, so there's a lot of business and all. So, you know, we've got quite a bit to contend with as far as that is concerned. What was your guys' like initial reaction to the kind of like Ben Taleb's agent stuff? Because I mean, I don't, yeah, I'm let me first caveat this by saying I don't know how much he earns at the moment. Don't know how much he wants to be paid because there are you know conflicting rumours flying around that he wants to be paid you know or parity with the club's top earners at the moment, who are said to be Ericsson, Vertonghen, and Lloris. Um, but other people say he just wants a passable Premier League wage. Whatever the case, it's it is kind of frustrating to have his agent already speaking out. And I, I, I do think, like you know, you, you can't lay into a young player too much, so on and so forth. But at the same time, like, I, I don't really buy the whole line that a player's agent acts solely of their own volition. Like the, it, the lad has probably said something to him to start kicking off. And for me, it's like, you know, he's, he's broken into the team. He's, he's been absolutely fantastic this season. But at the same time, you know, one swallow does not a summer maketh. And uh, it's, it's, it's disconcerting to hear him after one season already having any kind of circus around him. It just says to me, you now if he continues to improve, he fucks off to Chelsea in a couple of years' time or whoever else. There's parallels with the Sterling situation with his, as far as his wage is concerned. I wouldn't be surprised at all to find out that he's probably on less than 10 grand a week. No, no, um, Which is pennies. Because um, the thing that always, um, I cast my mind back to whenever players make a, a noise about their wage at Tottenham is the, the season before Spurs went into the Champions League the first time and Chelsea bid for, uh, for Modric the first time quietly. Um, which never got uh, released until a couple of seasons after. He was only on 16 grand a week at the time, which this championship players on more. Um, so we, we do quietly keep them right down there. And given that he's watched Kane and Mason sign contracts, and they'll probably be up in the 30s to 40s, um, Kane will probably be in the 50s now after a second one. Um, he'll have been bumped up quite handsomely to keep him around. So he'll, he, if he wants around 30 to 40, then there's no reason he shouldn't because there are players that aren't playing in that squad who are getting money that is probably his. And if we're to, to sell those players and to clear the wage budget, then I'd happily allocate him that much. Um, as far as concerned as, as earning as much as the top earners at the club, um, I don't think that's the case. It'll come down to... Probably, you know, it's it's like anything really. One side goes in high, the other side comes in low, and you go for a uh, a compromise and meet in the middle. And I imagine that is probably what it'll come down to. They're just playing hardball with his wages. He just doesn't want to sign probably the twenty grand contract that Tottenham have offered yeah, him at the moment. Which is fair enough, I guess. Like if, if it were a case of him wanting like thirty grand a week, like you say, it's it's a possible Premier League wage now, which sounds crazy to say, but. He should be getting that because he is one of our most important players now, really. Yeah, that's that's pretty much as as absurd and as you know as, uh, as sickening as it sounds uh, um, when you consider how much some people are making in this country and the fact that our minimum wage isn't even a living wage. The fact that people are. are Arguing over how many thousands of pounds yeah. are going to get paid a week. Feeling um, bad for if someone comp- gets paid five grand a week, you know. It's, it's, it's yeah, insane, exactly. But um, in if you compare him to what he should be compared to, mm. which is his peers, there are players that you know are earning their money for less than what he is. Um, so if you look at it through that 
particular scope, then uh, he does deserve a, a much larger contract than what he is likely to be on at the moment. So, as far as that concerns, um, then there is that. Mm, but you know, mm. nobody wants to see agents conducting their businesses in in out in the open. It's not the way that it should be done. They should be having these discussions behind closed doors and, and getting the deal done quietly as possible. Yeah, I, well, I, my mentality with contract negotiations is always kind of the same. And I, I completely agree with Raj about the stuff happening out in the open because there's nothing more dispiriting than than reading an agent agitating in the press. And I always think of Yaya Torre's um, representative, Dimitri Selleck. And he, he literally has a, you know an eye calendar reminder set oh, for March or April of every year where he starts the same process every 12 months. And it just, it, yeah. it makes me hate football a little bit, which I resent, to be honest. Um, when it's, you know, that, that's been provoked by someone who doesn't even play the game. But I, I think with Bentleb, I, I don't know the figures. And I, this point is to speculate about either what he's on or what he wants. But I think if I was running a club, um, my mindset would always be to, not to to pay as a reward, but to pay a player up to the level that you're expecting to reach throughout the level of the contract. So I wouldn't say to a Nabil Bentaleb, okay, well, you've only progressed to level four this year. And even though you're likely in the next three or four years to progress, you know, three or four levels beyond that, um, I'm going to pay you at a level four level throughout the duration of that. Um, I don't, I don't agree with that. And in the same way that I don't agree with Liverpool's approach to, to Sterling, I think, um, and I, I know how this sounds, and you know, it's an absurd world that we talk about now. But I, I thought they lowballed him with their offer. I think that if you look at his, this isn't a Liverpool podcast, but if you look at his, um, if you if you look at his importance to that team, you look at what Liverpool were willing to pay other players on that side, and you you consider that they have reportedly offered. James Milner, good player though he is, who who is twenty nine to be thirty in within the next year, far beyond that hundred grand they offered Sterling. I think that's absurd. You're thinking about someone that's going to be one of the the the, the finest talents in this country of his generation. Um, and Bentaleb, you know, you, you at some point you you can't always say to players, well, we're we, you know, we're, we're gonna we're not going to pay you this. We don't think you're worth that. If you have ambition. Okay, we can't afford to go beyond a certain level with our wage spend. But if you have a certain level of ambition and you have a player like Bentleb, who I think we all agree is quite rare as a talent um, and who we all want to see spend at least the years leading up to his prime at Tottenham, then you have to pay him. Because otherwise, you know, I know there's a risk of, you know, of that appeasement scenario when you, you agree to his terms this summer and then next year he's back knocking at the door again with his hand out, but that's the game, sadly, now. And that's what you have to do to keep players. Yeah. The other thing is, if you want to push that Sterling comparison even further, um, Jack mentioned the fact that mm. oh, you, you question his character in that he may in a year or two come back and say he wants to join Chelsea now because he feels he's outgrown the club. You can... Play woe is me all yeah. you want when yeah. a bigger fish come in, but nobody was crying when we robbed him from France when he was 16. Um, so there's a level of hypocrisy I think, I there. I think that we even signed him transfer, mate. I think he was released. I'm pretty sure. He still, still came from a different area, didn't he? We weren't you know, concerned about where we'd taken him from. 
No, no. There's no. I, there's I, no... I, know, I know the point you're making. Like, yeah, we we still grew up players from smaller clubs and so on and so forth. I just mean more the way in which it transpires. It's not like we've had him since he was eight, and we can call him truly our own product. We've essentially brought him in at towards the end of his um, his end of his youth progress, and then chucked him in at the first team after what eighteen months of him being at the club. So he's. he's it's not been, you know. I, I, I think we'd all be slightly better off if we if we stopped wanting um, our players to demonstrate the same level of loyalty to the club that we all feel. It just it doesn't get any of us anywhere. I mean, it's the same situation. I know there are special cases, and you know, Kane's quite pertinent now. But it, players just don't think about generally don't think about the game like we do. Um, and that means, as a result, we need to embrace some of the economic realities, and we need to, you know, we need to leave behind the idea that, you know, a player asking for X thousands, uh, thousands of pounds a, a week is obscene because it's contextual. You know, a, a player rates his value in terms of what surrounds him and in terms of you know what his peers are earning, and I think, you know, that's that's that's. I, I, and I again, I don't know what Neville Bentley earns now or what he wants, but. That's the way to view that argument, I think. Um, and the Sterling one's the same, I think. But also, let, let, let's let's look at the the landscape as well. You know, we're talking about players that are disconnected from fan bases that aren't in touch with, you know, the man on the terrace and so on and so forth. Yet everyone's in fucking outrage about Jack Wilshire for singing songs about Tottenham being shit on a trophy parade. You know, it's kind of. Fans kind of want their cake and to eat it too. With regard to that, it's uh... nobody saying is in outrage about that. Either. I don't think so. But people are missing the. Well, I mean, a couple of a couple of newspapers are pretending to be outraged. But the outrage over Wilshire is not over what he did or what he said. It's the fact that guys celebrate. He played fourteen minutes of that cup run in total, not just the final. In <laughs> total, that was his entire contribution. If that was me. You go on the bus, of course, because you're part of the squad. But you know, you, you leave Alexis Sanchez or Meza Özil to to piss about with the trophy on their head and to get the microphone. If you play 14 minutes, you sit at the back and you shut up because you that that's the outrage over that. That says so much about. And I'm not just having a go at Wilshire. It says so much about the status we afford players in this country and and players who've done nothing. Jack Wilshire's career adds up to fuck all. Sorry, that got angry, didn't it? <laughs> but he, it angry, does, man. Like you see him, he, 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 guys. You, you just think, mate, come on. <laughs> that that's that's kind of that's what really the column should have been written about, in my opinion. I mean, he shouldn't have said what he did, but and he he shouldn't have done it, especially so because he, he was warned a year ago for doing exactly the same thing. So he can't really complain, but. There shouldn't be outrage. I'll be honest, I would find it very funny if a Spurs player... Oh, we'd love it. Of course we would. Yeah. I have, I have to be honest. Of course we would. Yeah, be absolutely. Right. Um, going back to Catherine's question, which we put about 12 minutes ago now, um, can we see Pochettino taking any particular player under his wing? Anyone stick out for you? Lamella. Who's actually... He's been... He... he Looked like he was well on his way to was, kind of was, putting a lot of the doubters. It's a shame. Yeah, I agree. Right? It's a shame the season ended when it did for him. He was our best player for the last month. He was. It was excellent. I just. I. I, I love the combination of his gradual improvement with his obvious talent. I just think that's that was that's heading somewhere really good. So maybe him. 
I really like him. Mm. I really, really do like him. But uh, we won't go on that one. Let's have a look. Let's have a little look now. Okay, here we go. Here's here's a nice uh, here's a nice controversial question. We've had one from R, the letter R, at Galaxy Hero, who asks, "Do you view this Malaysia and Sydney oh, tour as stupid, or do you feel happy for us fans that get to see Spurs finally?" Is this this um, cottage free captain thing all over again? Is it? No, no, no. He's a, he, it's a honey he trap, Seb. It's a honey trap. Oh, it's both. It's. It, I feel happy for those fans that they've got to see their club come to their doorstep and play. That's that's perfectly all well and good. The timing of it is uh, is is not um, ideal whatsoever. Um, especially given that some of those players are still yet to go off to do international duty and. Um, They've got to do um, international tournaments. Hurricane's got to go play for England still. And then, you know, when it comes back to August and the players aren't fully fit and we start losing as early games and don't have early the early form that people would want us to, um, you've got to, you know, try and think, was this the most helpful thing that was possible, trying to go... What is essentially... It's, it's not a footballing tour whatsoever. If you were to ask Pochettino or his backroom staff or even the players... Um, their honest opinion about why they were going there. This is uh, not a squad building. It's not a pre-season um, retreat. It's not a post-season warm down or what have you. It's a purely hard-nosed business decision. That's the reason Daniel Levy's there. It's a commercial exercise to spread the Tottenham brand to new territories, sell more shirts, and get us on television in different countries. Um, which is a you know might be a hard thing to swallow for fans from other territories who have uh, an emotional connection with the club. That's not in doubt. But the fact that you are being exploited, just like we are in this country, um, you know, we're given three new shirts a season and how many odd pounds to pay for our membership and season tickets and whatnot. It's it's exactly the same. They just have to travel a little further to get your your coins in their back pocket. Um, Yeah. I would, I would rather they didn't do this sort of thing. If it, if it happened in pre-season, it might be a little easier to take because you could actually see that. Fine, we're we're using this as a commercial exercise, much as we did in America last year. But there is still the, you know, the the offset of that is that they're building towards the season and they are getting fitter. They'll probably be playing in warmer climates and and testing them, uh, testing themselves against opposition they they wouldn't uh, otherwise. So it's. It's helping them in in a knock on way rather than a you know one that's clearly um, not helping their situation when it's tacked on to the end of a season. It's it's not as bad as that time they went to go play in Jamaica because Joe Lewis didn't want to come into the country. Um, that one was completely abhorrent, especially because we had to delay Ledley King's testimonial for a year to fit that one in the calendar. Um, but it's you know it's a mix of both. I'm uh, you know you, you're happy to see that these people go and line airports and and sing for the players and the players are clearly um, they take a bit of a, an ego boost and an ego trip from seeing the fact that you know especially Harry Kane you know having the season he's had to see the fact that he's now a hero in Australia and Malaysia countries you know before the season started he probably couldn't point to on a map and he probably still can't now um, he's you know to have him be you know hero worship there is probably a huge boost for him and it'll probably help us convince him to stay at the club saying that you know look at the 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 places that you're 
loved now because you've worn the shirt. Um, so there is a, a double-edged sword to it, but much like the Europa League conversation, um, there are positives and negatives, only in this case, the negatives outweigh the positives. Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, I, I, it's something I'd need to look into further, but I'm pretty sure, though, in saying just because the point you are making in context of today is very sound in that it is just a marketing exercise, let's be honest. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure clubs have always gone on like exotic tours and things, especially to like places like South America. I know a lot of English clubs used to kind of tour around South America way back when in like the kind of like 30s, 40s, things like that. So I think to like to, to, to fully say that clubs... Yeah, but when you were doing it in the 30s and 40s, that's exploring the, the, the globe in a way that they couldn't have done previously. They were, their territories they'd never have gone to before. In, in this day and age, um, going to those places isn't a, a, an exploration trip or trying to learn about football in other countries. It's, it is a hard-nosed business decision. Yeah, no, 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 but I'm just saying more so in the, in the respect of like it having an impact on players, like it's a kind of, it's a new phenomenon. It's like, well, it's, it is something that has always happened though. Like we have always, football teams have always gone on tours for whatever reason it be. It, it, it has always been a part of footballing culture. So for us to completely say, well, yeah, this is, this is ridiculous. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is a new fandangled phenomenon. It's the reason, maybe, but the actual act isn't. So it's... That's it's true of the entire sport, a, though, isn't it? Just to add a, a counterweight, you know, argument to... But I, I would say that that's completely right. But I, I'd say it's true of the entire sport that everything, the culture of the sport, is much the same as it used to be. It's just been bastardized by commercialism in every sense. Everything that we do as fans to this day remains the same as what fans used to do when we were winning the double in the sixties. But it's it's just been changed by the money men slightly, and it's been mm. the 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 flow of money has changed so that uh, rather than it being beneficial to clubs, it's beneficial to people's you know their you know the the money they're taking out of the game. It's um, I, th- I think to to be honest, well, I like you you touched it. I know you you both made a joke about it being a honey trap and stuff. I think what what I actually resent most. Um, about this is is the fact that a lot of English fans get kind of like labelled as xenophobes or some you know almost like they're racists or you know moronic kind of 
flag of St George waving plebs because they have any kind of issue with a pre-season tour or, or something like that. I mean, as, as much as I do on a very on a very human on a very knowing level, I think it's 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 lovely that people from abroad. Um, even me saying people from abroad makes me feel like I'm fucking Nigel Farage. <laughs> but I mean, like, fans in other countries <laughs> having a, a connection with the club and, you know, seeing that Spurs are becoming a truly global club now, it does make you feel proud that we are kind of on that level, that we are, a, we are a, for whatever Arsenal fans want to say, a big club. We are. Um, and this is part I, of that. Being really, though? Do you... Do you, do you go to bed at night going, oh, I'm really happy that Spurs are huge in Malaysia. That's that's the reason I fell in love with the club. It's part and parcel of the... No, I, that's not the point I'm making, though, Raj, and you know it's not. The point I'm making is that we are a big club now, and this is part and parcel of being a big club. And, you know, for, for, for whether you like that or not, you can't pick and choose. Yeah, if you want Spurs to progress, this is part of that progression. This is what's going to happen. It's an inevitability. So we kind of need to get over that. But at the same time, it's I not do think a lot of fans who who live abroad at the same time do also need to perhaps have less of a sense of entitlement about Spurs coming over and playing for them if it is at detriment to the team and them playing in the league and being competitive within the league. Because ultimately they have chosen to support a domestic team who are based in a country halfway across the world from them. So, you know, I think on both sides there are, there are you know, there are certain realities that both camps need to face. Yeah, I completely agree uh, with the, the point that they are unavoidable and they are needing to be done, um, purely because they will hope, help grow the club as a business, which is, as we've said to previously, we're knocking on to the fact that there's clubs who have more spending power than us. It's helping us catch them in a purely fiscal sense. The timing of which is the thing that I, I think I take the, the largest exception with. I mean, they could you could imagine a, a case in which if West Ham, Chelsea, Arsenal and Tottenham got together and did a sort of Wembley Cup at the end of a year where they all played one another, they'd sell out that stadium four times over. Um, and, and, you know, they'd, they'd take that money for themselves, but you'd still not want it to be done at the end of a year because... The only reason they'd be doing it is to make money. It's not a. It's not competitive. It's it's commercial. It's not the the fact that they're travelling that is perhaps the thing that's most disappointing. It's the fact that it's knocking on to next season, and it will be something that you know people will complain about next year. And it is clearly a a, a negative effect on on what we're having to do. Like I said, if this was a tour that they'd planned to do before the next season started, after the players had had a bit of a rest, it would have made a bit more sense. The the timing of the entire affair um, it just makes it a tiny bit harder to swallow. I was actually... D- I guess so, but can't you also argue that they're getting it out of the way, that they're not going to be jet-lagged and they're not going to be tired, so on and so forth, and they can actually be focused on their pre-season once they've gotten the kind of commercial obligations out of the way at the tail end of the season, just, again, to play devil's advocate... I don't know, but doesn't that cheapen it for the fans that go? If the, you know, if they go in the pre Probably not, mate. I think a lot of it, they just want to go and see Spurs play and wave a flag and get Harry Kane to sign them an autograph. The, you know? the thing I really, the thing I compared it to taking, you know, being a, a bit of a dick about it, um, taking the mick was, um, you know, that bit in in Space Jam where the evil guy on Monster Mountain wants to make uh, Michael Jordan play one-on-one against children and chain him so that he can't reach the hoop and he'll lose every time. 
it is, that's what I compared it to because it is that sort of an exhibition of uh, of just you know pimping the players out and and atten- essentially showing them there because it's not a, a competitive event. It is a friendly. It's sort of you know get to see these people. It reminds me slightly of. Do you remember when West Ham released that um, their campaign online when? They had a game against Manchester City in the league, and they said, "Come and watch City's superstars oh, play God, at the bowling yeah. ground." It's that sort of thing that uh, I thought may cheapen it for for people there. If it was a pre-season and they were going, "Okay, this is our new squad for the new season," they're actually coming here to be put through their paces and and work towards a system that they'll be using in competitive fixtures in the very near future. Rather than it's the end of a the year, they're coming here to sort of try and get us to sell a bit more Spurs tat here. Um, I'm not sure, you know, you have to try and sort of ape the mindset. It's a it's a very tricky um, thing to have to speak about because, as you say, you don't want to try and cheapen the support of people in other territories because that's not the point whatsoever. It's it's the fact that everybody has the the best interests of the club in mind that, that make it so um, so volatile, I believe. It's just, it's the, the sport as a whole, though, isn't it? It's like, we're, it's, essentially, we've come back to the same point that we did with Bentaleb and such, and that just there's, there's certain depressing realities about the footballing landscape as a whole that, I guess, you know, make the game a bit less, uh, a bit less, I don't know, pleasurable nowadays, if you think about it too much. So we just Well, look at the head of the beast and what they're happening to them at the moment. You only have to look as... Uh, as close as to, yeah. to FIFA and what they're going through, you've got the FBI having investigation into them. That's not really a, a great indication of the sport as a whole. The, the fact that it's, you know, if the, if the head of the fish smells, the rest of it doesn't also. It's, um, it, I'm sure there's a trickle-down effect from there in that clubs to their own little extent will be trying to push them as far as possible. I'm not saying Spurs are involved in any sort of insider trading yeah. in any other country, but, you know, it's... It's born out of the same principle of of making as much money for themselves as possible. Literally, just as you're saying that, I don't know if you've seen Chuck Blazer has he's, just uh, actually admitted he's spilling his guts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of uh, wow, there's gonna be a lot this of is. Um, he's been working for the FBI for a number of years, though, because they caught him. Because the, their jurisdiction is the fact that they've been using, yeah, using American he's dollars. He's the super grass. Um, he's, the, he's the, yeah. Yeah, so they, they gave him a FIFA lapel or, bid, or badge, didn't they, with, like, wiretapped, so that whenever he went into meetings, he could collect information and data for them. Um, so yeah, so he's been working for them for a very long time because, essentially, they caught him and they, um, they, they you know, good fellowed him. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's seen this coming for so long. Like, there's, there's not even an element of surprise to this, though, is it? It was always a, a, a kind of damning inevitable. I always doubted. To the, to the whole it, it, or, I mean, there. it's kind of partly inevitable, but also it also it also felt as if this day would never arrive because FIFA has always given the impression of being so impenetrable that, that you, you never thought... It, it's always been so such a convoluted organisation Um and it, it combines that with it's such a the appearance of such a, a an outward strength that you just I don't know I, I just it's it's almost unbelievable to see kind of um, yeah we're, as we're recording this the, um, the details of what Blazer has um, has admitted are just spilling out onto Twitter and that's uh, pretty definitive stuff it's incredible 
They're not actually detailing what the bribes are. It's just the bribes with regard to the South African and French. Yeah, a whole series of gold cups as well, which is just, it's, and he's implicating other members of, I mean, part of what he's, part of the stuff that's being released is heavily redacted, which I imagine includes a long list of uh, executive committee names. Um, So this is, I mean, you know, this is, this is pretty seismic. Um, one thing on that that um, friendly is abroad thing. Um, I wrote something about this a couple of weeks ago, and um, <laughs> and um, I, it was it sort of I, I don't know if it was willfully misinterpreted, but it was kind of twisted a little bit. Um, and within twenty four hours, I've been kind of cast as some kind of UKIP flag waving St George Cross face painting type, but. Spot on. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Um, they, uh, they yeah, you've seen the Facebook well. photos, both of you, so you know. Yeah. Um, I think. Gorgeous <laughs> man. Gorgeous man for anyone that hasn't The point seen that it. I tried to make was that. Really big swastika tattoo, though. Yeah, it gets in the way of my face, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That was a mistake. <laughs> um, the, the, the point I was trying to make about that was that nothing to do with really the foreign fans or the relationship they have with the club or, you know, their rights to, to see the club. And I, none of that, I, I don't contest any of that whatsoever because, you know, I, I like that, um, you know, that the, the displaced fans or fans from overseas are able to see the players in the flesh. Of course they do. Um, not sort of a, a ludicrously protective type. My point was that the whole process by which this is done makes me feel very uncomfortable in that, I mean, Jack, Jack and Raj, you guys both touched on this, but it's such a cynical process. It's like a, it's like watching one of those uh, deep sea trawlers with those massive nets that they just send out with with the hope of catching anything, and then they end up like you know strangling a dolphin or something. It's it's just it's so brazen the way that this league and it's not just Spurs. It's all it's as any club that can get away with it from this country will go to these foreign territories and just present themselves in a completely artificial situation in a in a sort of an exhibition game and a kind of half-hearted friendly and yes okay sometimes a preparatory function to those if it's been pre-season but i i, I just i don't know it's, there's something about it which does make me feel uncomfortable i just i, I see our clubs trampling on the roots of of other domestic leagues and you know, in, in, in countries where I, I just have the mentality that, that football is better when you don't have two or three truly dominant competitions in the world. You have lots of flourishing leagues everywhere. Um, and in my mind, the Premier League sort of what I, I think I termed in the article kind of colonial um, approach to, to brand building um, is detrimental to that or is, a, or is at least obstructive to it. And you know, that's the point I was trying to make, and, and that, that I'm happy to discuss, but that got turned into a kind of, well, you know, you're an English fan that wants to keep your English club to, you know, to yourself, which is, no, not true at all. Well, it's just ridiculous in the, in the, in the respect as well to, to suggest that you're, you're somehow xenophobic when a large part of the kind of iron vitriol we, we direct towards football in part goes to the likes of Sherwood, Redknapp, so on and so forth, who embody that idea of English football, of domestic, yeah. old school, 
4-4-2, wallop type. That little Englander yeah. thing that makes us all Crap. cringe, man. You know, it's just, yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know, I just think, you know, not every, that, that sort of, that, that, um, that entire article is written, written from the perspective of nothing really to do with, you know, Tottenham's welfare, what Tottenham, you know, where, how accessible Tottenham are to, to, um, to, to fans all over the world. It was principally about the welfare of the foreign leagues. Um, and I, I, you're being very diplomatic. I think the no, well, no, 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 no. He, 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 if it, it, like it, it wasn't a pleasant article. It was well, very... Yeah. Well, initially, and you and I spoke about it when it came out, and I was pretty upset about that. Um, happened before Roger Clock, so we couldn't involve you. It was kind of a a seven thirty chat between <laughs> me and Jack. The guy, the guy apologized, and and that's good enough. Um, and I have no issue with him, but um, there the were comments underneath. I don't fight you. I'll fight you, uh, mate, right? Come over to England, yeah? Come on your own pre-season tour, yeah? I'll I, fight I, you. I, I think Physically, that, um, having spoken to him, I think that... Um, That's no, not I, an actual threat. Having spoken to him, I, I think that was sort of... Um, I, I took an offence which probably he didn't intend to, to give. The problem occurs because whenever you post something on the internet, you expose it to people with... Who who react in a very knee jerky way, and and some of the comments uh, underneath it just I just thought, okay, you, you haven't actually read what I've written. You've just I don't know, and I it, it annoys me, and I I kind of um yeah, but no, the the guy that wrote it, he he seems a good guy, and he, he um he 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 seemed uh, upset that he'd upset me, which um. You know, you don't, and, and that was the other sort of very mature approach to it. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But yeah, yeah, yeah well, right, just, so he, he knows who he is, and I'm, I hope he doesn't take offence um, that. So <laughs> we've, uh, we've we've gone quite serious. Let's let's let's, let's go for a bit of self depreciation. Nikhil Siglani <laughs> asks: Last time I asked about Spurs, so I'll be cruel now. Draw comparisons between Jack at the trunk. And Jack Wilshire, enjoy. I won't. We're both from London. There we go. There's my comparison. Got the same haircut. <laughs> yeah, I, that that dawned on me. It did dawn on. Did you? Did I send that to you on Snapchat? I think so. Yeah. Sure I did. Yeah. Enjoy the old crafty fag. Yeah. Every now and again, not so much anymore though. You, anything to chuck in? To accept? Go on, go on. No holds barred, mate. I've just. I've just as you've tried to build some transatlantic bridges there, probably destroyed them. No, again, well, so I, you can, well you I, I've been distracted during that last 30 seconds because um, obviously we, we record part of this through Garage Band. And, um, oh, God, what have you pressed? No, I haven't pressed anything, I promise. <laughs> I, I, I just... <laughs> when, it, when, it, when it's sort of giving you options about the way you can record and it, it has sort of like the effects that you can add your vocals, it's all pretty normal stuff. And, you know, like, ambient deeper and there's one section which is just epic diva what is that do you want me to do you want me to edit this show for for your entire audio stream to be what? an epic diva no, I, just, I, I was curious as to what that would do to my what, what, what happens if that option was you know what like, don't, don't make this any more painful than it has to be you know i struggle with this stuff <laughs> you, you essentially you come out and you sound like diana ross when you put it through that like we could do that as a novelty episode next season yeah. Mm, okay. 
There was there was once when Jack sent me a really bad audio stream and I and I was really tempted to just the the best I could make it sound was when I put it through the um monster um <laughs> voice changer. <laughs> so he sounded like he was Godzilla when he spoke. Um but Jack was Jack resent me the audio and I was able to put in a proper one, but I was for a while really tempted to just have us two speaking normally and then make no comment on the fact that Jack would have this really <laughs> artificial monster-like quality to his voice all the way through. Um, which... Perhaps if we need to spice it up in the third third series, we should uh, have a, a feature. There you go, 10 minutes every week where one of us tries out a new voice changer. <laughs> we, but we don't even like draw anything to it. It's just we have a serious kind of conversation about something or other and just, just drops in for 10 minutes, Seb in monster mode, me in epic diva. Oh, yeah. wouldn't sound Raj different. in megaphone. We've got that um, one as well. Female R and B vocals. I bet. I bet you can be loud at a football match, Raj. I bet you got one of those big bellowing voices, don't you? Uh, it is quite loud when it needs to be. Yeah, especially like when you've got a pint in your hand at the rugby and you're shouting like "Hit him" or something. That's the best. <laughs> I don't want to bring up like rugby though because it's been a tough week for Seb, hasn't it? No, it has been. It's. it's uh, yes, I, I had to um, deal with my second lost final of the season. Um, you know, you know what's it, it, what's a weird thing is that because um, I go to football and rugby, like the differences between um, a rugby and a football crowd are pretty pronounced, and and and, and they also they, they're quite problematic because I went to Twickenham uh, at the weekend to watch Bath lose the Saracens, and um, I'm quite a passive rugby watcher because it, it it it's just not quite as tribal as football is, but a final is a final. It's full of Balenza at Twickenham. <laughs> Twickenham is, uh, yeah, it's not not a great place, really. Because um, I watched the, uh, like, I was still up the other night and it was on yeah. ITV, the uh, highlights. So I thought, oh, I'll see how our Sam's doing and I'll see how ba- just how bad Bath were because at one point you were getting absolutely trashed at first half and I sent you a text just going, what the fuck's happening here, lad? And... Um, they were, you know, I watched it, and you could just see from a mint crowd that there were uh, some absolute whoppers there in their knitted scarves and things. They were really, you know, not the type of people that I would ever fraternise well, with. The thing is, the truth of it is, they're not. They make me cringe as much as they do everybody else, and, and that's <laughs> because they, they, you see it when, like, when, um, when the Six Nations is on, or and I guess when the World Cup is on later in the year. You see Twitter when a rugby game is on and they'll focus in on some absolute prick in the crowd who everyone thinks is a prick. He's not sort of, doesn't belong to a sport. He's just a generic twat. Um, and it's just, I don't know, Twickenham, Twickenham's full of those people. You you go in and um, it's just, it's it's full of uh, just terrible people. That And that's kind of why I like local rugby. Everyone, everyone goes to, to the rugby down here and it doesn't really... No matter where they come from, and there's none of that kind of red trouser wearing type that you seem to that seems so prevalent at Twickenham. Um, but yeah, no, red trousers and waxed bars. Yeah, that type, and it's just you know, I, 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 that's just not really what rugby represents to me. But it's kind of it's become the the the, the perception from outside, and it's it's frustrating. But it was um, no, it wasn't a good day all round. It was um, yeah. It's hard. I, I was, I was, I was, um, I was telling my mother about this. About differences in how I react between when, um, when Tottenham lose and when Bath do, and it, 
it, it's um it's much harder with the rugby because I'm I'm from Bath. I was born down here and I live here again now. And when when you when you have something which is centered so much around the town and Rod, you, you know what this is like when when you know you don't live in Leeds, but it's kind of similar. I do live in Leeds. You do now. I thought you I thought you'd moved to Huddersfield. No, we oh, will do so. Right. Okay. Um, but when when something like that happens, the whole place goes. It, it, it becomes like a morgue. You can feel it. Like I, I was walking around on Sunday morning, and um, and there were a couple of the players walking around and stuff. And but a lot of you know people. It was a really nice day, but you could feel this depression on the place, which I don't get with Tottenham. I've never lived in Tottenham. Um, I've lived in London for a long time, but never never actually in the area. Um, and it's, it, it, I don't know, it just feels more personal. It was, it was brutal. It affected me much more than the, the League Cup final. Uh, it was harsh. I wasn't, I wasn't very receptive. You're hankering for, you're hankering for another hashtag, Seb. Hashtag I know, stress. I know, I know. But it, it, to be honest with you, it's nothing I haven't heard before, though. Um, you have a double barrel surname and you occasionally tweet about rugby and you, you do attract a, the occasional word. <laughs> Rightly so, in my opinion, to be honest. As a, Fucking disgrace. As yeah. a, well, yeah. Especially when it's the wrong That's type it, of rugby yeah. as well. <laughs> the shots, the shots yeah, they fired. are being fired. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have we got any more listener I've questions? Got a yeah, we got shit loads. Oh, cool. um, oh, now I've been put on the spot there. I've just, yeah, frozen a little bit. Um, all right, okay, here's one. Uh, touched on something we've already spoken about. Uh, Broadway Danny Rose. Um, at Kane twenty six Ledley, lovely handle. Um, who would you rather lose this summer, Loris <laughs> or Bentaleb? Bentaleb, Raj. Bentaleb probably, but in, I imagine they'll both stay. I think. Oh, I think Loris is gone, mate. Broadway Danny Rose has tweet has cheated a little bit here because he's asked that question and he's tried to kind of he's tried to shoehorn himself into the pod twice by asking the same question with different words. <laughs> so he's then asked. What would hurt more, losing Ben to Lebel Larice? We'll have absolutely none of that, thank you. <laughs> he's, he's, but he's won, he has one because he's, he's, yeah. We've read out both yeah, of Yeah, well, we'll remember this next season. He's done he's, he's he you there, Yeah, I'm reeling from that. Uh, and now I've completely lost someone else. Having said, there's loads of, of, of list of questions I can't find anymore. All right, here we go. Um, Brian Slover, have you seen that one underneath? The fighting cock, so you got Brian. What, Brian's lover? Brian, no, Brian. Well, yeah, it does if you really say it out. I thought you said Brian, yeah, Brian. Brian's lover, and I was like, who's Brian and who's his lover? But, well, it is, so it's Brian Slover. Sounds like a 90s band, doesn't it, Brian's lover? Yeah, yeah a new romantic something, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry, Brian, for taking a piss out of your name. He's probably had it before. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe he hasn't, maybe that's a new one, and he's going to cry now. You've said that, mate. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, you shouldn't cry if someone makes fun of you, though. He said... What the fuck do you two know about someone needed. making fun of your name? <laughs> I lived with Sebastian Stafford Ball my entire life. I don't think that's advice. A lot, lot of syllables. It is, but a lot of syllables, mate. He says, uh, left wing is needed. What type of player... I agree, mate. In this, day, in this country, the left wing is needed. <laughs> Um, and who are some of these players to look at for transfer window? We, I don't know, we've got, talked about this quite a lot, haven't we? I mean, like, you'd think Pritchard's going to play a part in that. We've got Shadley still. I, I mean, I think there's probably more pressing places that we need to reinforce than the left wing, wouldn't you? It seems oddly specific. It's because we've only got one player out there that's Chadley. We need somebody else, clearly. Um, so, you know, there's, there is that 
Um, but uh, it's, it's something we've answered previously. Danny I'm not sure. Mm. Probably. Yeah, I like the way that we've um, we've done like underhand business with that as well by um, <laughs> by putting in a bid just so that it sort of ramps up the pressure on them signing him. That's that's quite nicely done by Levy. I like it when he's a dick because I, I I think that probably makes the the trippier deal um, a little more likely. The fact that we're you know sort of helping them out with that transfer that we'll be able to get trippier for what is it three and a half million or whatever his buyout is something absolutely pittance like that, which makes that a, a pretty. Um, foolproof signing doesn't it because he'll buy or sell for probably about that much um he'll probably retain that value because he's english and has premier league experience he'll always be a club that needs a player of that sort of level is is it almost a sort of a kyle norton experiment again uh, although i I hope he's he's a better better level than um... Norton. yeah it's just the signings of a similar sort of mindset um but yeah, I like the. It doesn't bode well for Yedlin, though, does it? Really? No, I don't think we've. You know, I've, I've watched a few games of MLS this season, um, and given that he was an MVP in that league, I can see now why now because it is played at absolute glacial pace. It's really, really slow, and it's quite tedious to watch. I mean, I've, I've I watch quite a lot of lower league English football. They always make that comparison, and it's like watching a different sport. It's 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 got more roots in in European, you know, Serie A. Um, La Liga type football because they try and be a bit more technical with what they're doing, but they do it at half pace. It's I thought my telly was broken when I first watched it and the satellite was coming through <laughs> through wrong. But it was you know there's there's that. God, we're really not reaching out to our. No, I, I mean I I, I genuinely tried to make an effort to try and watch it, but I, I couldn't. And you know even when I tweeted that, quite a few Americans got in touch and went, "Why do you think we watch your mm. team now?" And it's like yeah, <laughs> I kind of yeah. caught on. on. Um, I got a similar thing because I, I was watching the uh, LA Galaxy against, I think it was Columbus Crew in a bar not long ago, and I was just like, honestly, guys, I'm not even firing shots. Like, this is shite. Like, this is so boring. Such terrible football. And like you were saying, loads of the American fans were like, why the fuck do you think we support the Premier League? It, you know? it is improving. I, um, I've watched a little bit this year, and I think if you, yeah. if you, it's one of those places where if you get the wrong team, if you, if you end up watching the wrong set of teams, you can have a really bad experience with MLS. But uh, at the top end of the scale, there's some pretty good football being played. But Yedlin, um, I watched Yedlin in, in, the, in the two friendlies that um, we played in Australia, in, in Malaysia and Australia. And um, like he, he, I, I still think he's miles away defensively from where he needs to be. I, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. And his pace is clearly quite useful. But um, he needs to... Um, I, I, I can't believe he'll play for Tottenham next season I, I think he'll be loaned somewhere just to just to bed in a little bit so I, I don't um you know I, I, yeah for all intents for, for next season at least we still need a, a little bit of cover at right back and um I guess Trippy will be that guy give me your Bournemouth sorry mate you're at Bournemouth you're yeah at Bournemouth something like that sorry, I, I I think he he has the potential to be a very good player and if you can if you can give him a little bit of um defensive knowledge to go with what he already has and he is technically quite impressive and you know he um he did play quite well across both games but he um little sort of the little subtleties that you need in the defender the kind of the game reading stuff he's just he's not quite there yet even even against those kind of opponents so Premier League is a bit of a bit of a step up but you know there's no I I don't buy that he's been bought as a kind of marketing thing I, I don't agree with that at all I just you know he's a he's a project for us I think that's the way to look at it. 
I, I agree with that a little bit. If I'm going to be, again, if I'm going to be a bit irksome, not even to be irksome, if I'm okay. just going to be honest, I do think it's a consideration. Uh, 2015 Bongani Kamalo. <laughs> not not fully, not as not as like you know blatant as it has been with players like Toda Kamalo. Toda was a dreadful footballer. He really was. He was Cubo as well, wasn't it? Cubo was the the Chinese striker that we signed as well at one point. And there's been some great. I don't think Yedlin was fully like it's just to sell shirts, but I think I I think it was a consideration. We're actually going to get rid of Kamalo this summer, though, aren't we? He's, he's, his contract has finally run out. Um, so I, really? I, we, did, we did a really, like, almost half-sympathetic Kickstarter type thing on the Tottenham website where we, like, listed all of his achievements while he's been at the club with his zero appearances in competitive games for us. Um, he's, you know, he's been to... Where's he been? Like, Preston, like Doncaster, like Colchester. He went to Pauk as well, yeah. I think. And he's he's got like almost fifty caps for South Africa or something. Um, so you, there's a bit of pedigree to him, but he's he's not done anything since we bought him. All right, let's uh, let's 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 we've spoken about football. It's boring now. The season's over, guys. Do we not have any more questions? Well, we got asked, but it, this is. Are we all up to date on Game of Thrones? One for the purists now. Uh, no, I've not watched. I've going, not watched. Are you Monday. looking at Sean Gormley's question? No, because I was. I was just looking at the guy at Sean PG Seventeen says using notable Game of Thrones yeah. deaths or other famous TV character departures. How would you clear out the unwanted members of the squad? Excellent question. Ooh, Excellent um, question. I would get rid of Kapu. And I'd get rid of him by killing him like Gus Fring in Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> by exploding his head. Who, who are we using to do that, though? Do we need... Cause... Brad Friedel. <laughs> uh, I would have... Uh, if he was... Uh, if he was still at... Um, if he was still at the club, I would have definitely, definitely had Benoit Asuakoto receive a visit from Snoop and oh, Chris wow. from The yeah. Wire. Ah, they were horrible. Fucking they were, they were um... With her weird, like, nail gun type thing that she oh. has. It sounds a bit dark, really, to say I'd wish that upon Benoit Asakoto. But please just take this in the spirit of the pantomime in which it's You know how, this. um, how, how... Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll, um, I'll go, uh... You know when, um... <laughs> um... You know how prop di- uh, prop Joe dies in the wire when Marlo, yeah, that that yeah. sort of it's it's gentle. I, I'd soldado that, I think, just just in a kind of graceful. It's coming, you know, it's coming. Take off your glasses, relax. It's not going to hurt. That that would be my soldado ending. I would um I would kill Adibayor <laughs> like Sean Bean in Game of Thrones, but I'd let AVB cut his head off because I think he would take the most. Um, He'd take the most pleasure in doing we could, so. We could, we could Prince Oberyn, uh, Tim Sherwood, while we're at it, if we had a, a mountain-type character. Oh, God, how would I get rid oh, of Sherwood? Yeah, that's exactly that's what I was going to say. Tim Sherwood is definitely... The, 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 the Oberyn death. Another Martell! Yeah. Cool. That was, I, I think that was one of the most shocking moments of Game of Thrones. It was genuinely... Um... I'd quite like to see Tom Carroll fight Brienne of Tarth. That'd be quite good, as in like the way she fought with a uh, hound. Mm. Last series, Tom Carroll's got yeah. nothing in common with the Hound, though. No, just more so in that it would just be fun to see Tom Carroll fight against someone that's 
really, really, really might be might be afraid of fire. Raj, how far have you got into the new series? I'm I'm up to date. Apart from I haven't watched Mondays, oh, uh, Sundays or Mondays episode. The, the Without revealing spoilers, I haven't watched it yet. I think Monday's episode was one of the best episodes of Game of Thrones of the entire thing. It was very, it was strong. You know, it was strong. Yeah. It was good. I found this series a bit hammy so yeah. far. It's still very. That good, last episode restored it's, my faith. It's been a little. I would kill Kabul. <laughs> we still. On. Yeah, like um, Fossil in Four Lions. <laughs> Where he, <laughs> where he jumps over a, a fence with explodes himself up because that is pretty much what he's been playing like for these past few years. I suppose was <laughs> self-destructive. I'm really looking forward to us to to lose six 0 every game in the Audi Cup. Yeah, how do we get into that? Uh, is that a special agreement with Real Madrid? They oh, let us in nice. to give Rafa Benitez a good start. That's a good, good thing, yeah. Now, like I said, that's, that's the kind of thing I can see us performing really well in and then just having one of those one-day Ramos starts to next year. Batter Madrid 4-0. Because it was off at the back of an amazing pre-season that the one-day Ramos two points from eight games season happened, wasn't it? When we, like, fucking... That's 5-0 against Roma. David Bentley. Oh, David Bentley's free oh, kick. Okay. Yeah, lovely. From about 35 yards. It was out. right from the. It was. It was. Um. Yeah. I, it was from the right side touchline. I hope we don't start next season badly, because then the entire negative parade will be back right on their horse straight yeah. away. All the people that have been. Hashtag yeah. All those. All those people have been. Sort of been forced to be quiet for six months. You know, in the knowledge that you you can't really do that within a year. But then, if he starts badly, that's that's kind of Pochettino's in in. Levy's danger zone because he gets a little bit, you know, jumpy around eighteen months when a cycle he doesn't believe a cycle's working. He sort of reaches that Villas Boas territory. Uh, so we do, we do need to start well. Right. Thank you very much, everyone, this year for all of your questions, for listening to the pod, for being nasty about us if you've been nasty because at least it means you're talking about us. So <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, genuinely. Thank you for listening. I hope you've all enjoyed it. You can listen to all the previous episodes on iTunes or on the Spurs Statman website, which is run by the boss man JP, who you can follow at Spurs Statman. You can follow us over the summer at RTRSSM. We'll probably do some kind of pod, I reckon, if we sign someone or inevitably sell Lloris. We'll probably talk to a Man United talk to old Musa or Straight News or someone again um, get them on just to talk about them taking Larice from us when Mejia goes um, but anything anything you want to add at all lads no they don't have anything no. to say to any of it's you it's nearly not, quarter so, to ten uh, mate I've got to go to bed soon so yeah hurry along there you go that's it the end Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.